speaking, it was done. Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. Holy Gospel, according to St. Matthew, the ninth chapter. Getting into a boat, Jesus crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowds saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. It's really hard to imagine why. It really is. It's, 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 it's really hard to imagine why, but many individuals become very angry, not just a little angry, but very angry at grace. They become furious with grace. You heard that correctly. Many people in our world become furious when grace is given out. Take, for instance, this morning, the religious leaders from the reading in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew's Gospel, we hear that Jesus forgives the sin of a paralytic man. And the religious leaders, well, they did not respond with glee and joy and happiness, but instead they said, this man, he blasphemes. They had vicious malice and diseased wickedness in their heart. They had this diseased wickedness in their hearts when Jesus said to the paraplegic on the stretcher, cheer up, son, I forgive your sins. And they snarled, they grumbled. But why the harsh reaction from from the religious leaders? Why the harsh reaction? Well, by forgiving sins, Jesus was claiming the authority of God. He was claiming divine authority, which the religious leaders obviously did not agree with at the time. But also, it is important to keep in mind that the religious leaders did not like grace itself. Throughout the Gospels, we can see throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, From the very beginning of Jesus' ministry to the very end at his crucifixion and resurrection. Throughout that time, the religious leaders, they got more and more upset with Jesus' gracious ministry. His acts of kindness, his grace that he poured out upon misfits and ragamuffins. But why the animosity towards grace? We still have not answered that yet. Dear friends, when grace is proclaimed... When grace is given, hear this very carefully. When grace is given, 
the wounded will get healed and the pompous, stiff-necked religious jerks, they get angry. Or another way of saying it is like this. The desperate, they welcome grace and the deceived, well, they hate it. They despise it. Now, you may not realize it, but one of the biggest accusations thrown at St. Paul's, thrown at you, thrown at this church, and not only this church, but the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod by other churches and individuals, is that the pastor dares to stand up in front of you and forgives you of your sins in holy absolution. People, they will say behind your backs, no way, a pastor can't forgive sins, he's just a mere man. To which we quickly respond to them, saying this, the pastor is forgiving sins in the stead and by the command of Jesus. Read John 20. Jesus gives the authority to the pastor in the church to pronounce this forgiveness. But dear friends, while it may seem that people are upset with a pastor forgiving sins, this is really not the objection. As they say, the issue is not the issue. You see, I'm not a betting man by any means, but if I were, if I were a betting man, I would put money down that those who object to the public absolution, the public forgiveness of sins, are no different than the religious leaders of Jesus' day. I put money down on it that they are the same heart, the same malice, the same evil in their hearts as those religious leaders. I would put money down if I was a betting man, but I'm not. You see, the forgiveness of sins is a very big problem. It's a big problem for people who perceive themselves to be morally upright, to be morally righteous. Now, keep in mind that the self-righteous do want grace for themselves. They do want grace. They desire it. But they do not want to admit that they're sinners. Frankly stating, admitting sins would put a major kink in their righteous pecking order that they've established. Therefore, the self-righteous make grace not about God's goodness to poor, miserable sinners, but rather they make grace into a reward, into a reward from God for good behavior. They condition grace as a reward for people who are righteous, people who are in their little circles, if you will, the little circles of so-called goodness. So what ends up happening is that they create a spiritual monopoly on grace itself. God's grace is only for good people over here like them, and it is not for bad people over here that are not like them. Permit me an opportunity to let you in on a little secret as well. You see, the self-righteous people, they like having grace for themselves because when grace is withheld from people unlike them, from sinners over here, well, then they are able to use things such as shame and guilt to manipulate sinners, to get them to do what they want. Tragically, after 17 years of ministry, I've seen how easy it is for the pastor to give grace to people that the pastor likes and then use shame and guilt for people that the pastor dislikes. In fact, this is a very common strategy among anyone in leadership. Grace is given to the good old boys club, and shame is applied to everyone else that is not in the club. God have mercy on us for treating grace like a commodity, for treating grace as if it is a reward for good behavior. And so 
the scandal with grace is that when grace is freely given to sinners, it actually exposes the foolishness of the pompous, stiff-necked religious jerks. Grace, it actually destroys the manipulative power of guilt. Grace, it, it destroys the tactics of using shame, using shame to manipulate tired souls. When everyone beats their chest while confessing sins, and the pastor comes forth to declare the forgiveness of sins upon every single person, every single soul, that gospel, that grace, it creates faith in the brokenhearted. It creates good cheer. But it simultaneously causes the self-righteous to grumble. It causes the self-righteous to say this. You know, those sinners are not working for righteousness. and They're not working hard enough. They're getting off the hook scot-free. It can't be that easy. They shouldn't get for free what I work so hard to get. And so it makes sense why the self-righteous do not like absolution. It makes sense why people get angry at a pastor pronouncing the forgiveness of sins. It makes sense why the religious leaders had malice in their hearts towards Jesus that day. It makes sense why the self-righteous oppose the free gift of grace. Deep down, their hearts hate grace. Their hearts mumble and their mouths sputter. They say grace shouldn't be that easy. It is scandalous. Nothing is free in this life. Perhaps it is a bit more clear to us right now why Cain killed Abel in the Old Testament book of Genesis. You see, the attitude of Cain, it actually hates grace and will seek to draw blood on anyone who finds comfort in that grace itself. And so tragically, Today, too many churches feel the animosity of the self-righteous in their walls of their church. And too many pastors become weak-kneed with grace itself. Frankly, a church will often be more peaceful if the wounded are condemned in the walls of the church and the self-righteous are rewarded. And the pastor finds ease and comfort that way too as well. It's just easier that way. But then again, this is not the church. If the grace and the gospel of Jesus are not pronounced and declared freely on account of Christ and his work, it is not a church. The church is only found where the dynamite power of the gospel of God's grace is delivered to poor, miserable sinners as a free gift, not a reward. Baptized saints, consider our gospel reading a little bit more from this morning. In Matthew chapter 9, right after Jesus encounters that paralytic man and those religious leaders, he actually, a little later on, he goes and he eats supper at Matthew's house with his close followers. But there were also a lot of other disreputable people who were there in attendance with Jesus as well, eating with him. After all, Matthew was a dirty tax collector, as they say. And so when those religious leaders, when they saw Jesus eating with crooks and misfits, They grumbled yet again. They said, what kind of example is this from your teacher? But get this, Jesus, he shot back. He said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to invite not the righteous, but sinners. And so the point being, Jesus did not come for the self-righteous, but he came for sinners. Jesus' statement right there in Matthew 9 
was to stress the priority of grace for sinners. This was the consistent theme of Jesus pursuing those sinners in need. And so baptized saints, hear this loud and clear. Do not let this escape your ears. Jesus, he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He dined with tax collectors and sinners. He ate with Zacchaeus at his house. He touched lepers. He sought lost sheep. He embraced children. He raised the dead. He called tax collectors to be disciples, and he was crucified among criminals. And what's more, hear this. He gives you. He comes for you with unearned free grace every single Sunday right here in this sanctuary. He comes and he gives and he pours his word into your ears so that you might hear that you are forgiven in holy absolution. Grace is brought and given to you. It's laid upon your tongue. It is laid upon your tongue and poured upon your tongue, his body and blood given and shed for you in the Holy Supper. Even though we stand here together shoulder to shoulder and confess that we are poor, miserable sinners, the Lord of the universe says this to us, take heart. St. Paul's, take heart, dear baptized saints. Take heart, dear children. Your sins are forgiven. Yet when we beat our chest, we come in here, we stand and we beat our chest and we admit to our failures, our heads hang low. But all of our failures of this past week, yet we're not met by condemnation. We're not met by shame. We're not met by guilt. We're met by forgiveness. You are met by life. Take heart, dear children, your sins are forgiven. Martin Luther speaks about this quite bluntly and wonderfully. I believe I mentioned this before, but it, it, it's, just, it's just so worth hearing. It, it's so worth hearing. Martin Luther writes to a guy named Friar George, of all people, and he writes to Friar George and he says this. Listen, this is just phenomenal. He says this. Friar George, beware of aspiring to such purity that you will not wish to be looked upon as a sinner or to be a sinner. For Christ dwells only in sinners. For why was it necessary for Jesus to die if we can obtain a good conscience by our works and our efforts and our afflictions? Accordingly, you will find peace only, only in Jesus and only when you despair of yourself and your own works. Besides, you will learn from Jesus that just as he has received you, so he has made your sins his own and has made his righteousness yours. And so, friends, who cares? Who cares what people say about St. Paul's or who cares what they say about the Missouri Senate? Who cares what they think about absolution itself? Who cares about that heart itself? For we receive free forgiveness in holy absolution every single week right here in this place. Is it scandalous? Will it make people upset? You bet it will. It will always upset the attitude of Cain. It will always upset the self-righteous. But dear friends, we mustn't care. We mustn't care about the self-righteous. We mustn't care at all. But dear friends, we care about Christ. We care about what Christ says. And what Christ says to us is good and right and salutary. What Christ says through the mouth of a servant, a pastor, is not only what we need, but that which gives us good cheer and comfort. 
And so, blessed baptized saints, beware of aspiring to such purity that you will not wish to confess sins or be a sinner, but hear the free grace of Christ. Chins up, ears open, hear it right now. Take heart, take heart, dear children. Your sins are forgiven. Hear this loud and clear so that shame and guilt are chased away. Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. In the name of Jesus. strong word bespeaks us righteous bright with thine own holiness thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon you can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from pastor matthew richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit saint paul's website at www.saintpaulsminot.org The Lord bless and keep you.